So just as, as, uh, as we jump into this teaching, as you know, we've been in a series on community, and Doug and I felt it would be great for us to actually teach in community together on something that's very close to our hearts, and so we're excited to be doing that here uh, this morning. I uh, want to encourage you, uh, if you would, to just turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4. We're going to get there in just a moment. Um, but as you're turning there, um, you, uh, in the New Testament, there are 59 one-anothers that exist. 59 one-anothers. And we're not going to look at all 59 this morning, don't worry. Um, but of that, 16 of the 59 are love one another. Four of them are encourage one another. But the others include be at peace with one another. Be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, accept one another, instruct one another, greet one another, have equal concern for one another, serve one another, carry one another's burdens, be patient with one another, be kind and compassionate with one another, forgive one another, speak to one another, submit to one another, consider others better than yourselves, do not lie to one another, don't grumble with one another, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Admonish one another. Teach one another. Confess your sins to one another. Clothe yourself with humility. Pray for one another. And then offer hospitality without grumbling, which is a very interesting one, isn't it? Don't just offer hospitality. Do it without grumbling. Which can be really hard, <laughs> if we're completely honest. Um, and yeah, can, when we decide to live in a one another community, it's hard for three reasons. And the first one is it's inefficient and it's messy. We talked a few weeks ago about the necessary community. It's both messy and necessary. Um, the idea that in a culture of productivity and getting things done, uh, community can be very inefficient. Uh, FaceTime, and I don't mean with the phone, I mean face-to-face -face time sometimes can take a while. Relationships actually grow with time. Uh, not just with emails, uh, or the idea that a lot of us adhere to with, I'll just do it myself. Uh, I don't really need to rely on someone else. I can get this done. The second thing is a lot of us, all of us, at some point in time in our life, we've been hurt by others. Whether it's been intentional or unintentional, uh, we've experienced the church baggage, including JR and myself. Um, and we also recognize that a lot of that baggage is due to authority in the church, pastors who have hurt or, or leaders in the church that have hurt others, uh, youth pastors, youth leaders, children's workers, um, worship band folks. People have stepped on each other's toes. That, that, that happens. Um, and we know that both of us, uh, we may actually represent hurt for many of you because you've been hurt by pastors. And so just having that title right off the bat can be like, I don't trust either of those guys because I've had conversations with many of you that said just the word pastor means don't trust that person. Um, some of us have said that privately. Some of us said that publicly, and, and that's okay. And we're sorry that you've experienced that kind of hurt from leaders within the church, from spiritual authority figures. And we're sorry if that has include, included us as well. One thing that we need to be aware of is the mindfulness and mindful of is transference. So sometimes if I've been hurt by someone, everyone else that has that same title, I transfer all my garbage and all the baggage from them onto another person. Um, people who've had bad fathers or mothers or parents, uh, abusive men, 
Um, some of us who may have experienced an unjust altercation with a police officer or a troubling issue with someone of a different race, we tend to transfer things and make stereotypes on a whole bunch of different levels. Uh, we, uh, a wise friend of us said, if we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. Or said in a different way, hurt people hurt people. And so we just need to be mindful that one of the reasons why this is difficult is because we've been hurt. And we have, we have an opportunity to either heal from it or to continue to let it fester and grow. The other thing, too, is it's very un-American for us to even think about entering into community uh, because we value the me over the we. Uh, and it is one of those things that we have to recognize in our culture that we have uh, the person of who I am actually means more than, than the collective of a community in many situations and places. You know, we hear terms like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? You know, we hear other ideas and these little piffy statements that really t affirm me. Do what you want. Make the things that make you the most happy. And that kind of pushes off the idea and the power that is within community. It also teaches us, too, we have, we've inherited in a postmodern world this, this distrust to people in authority. Um, regardless of which side you voted for this past election, uh, there are trust issues. You know, how many of you have heard the statement around, like, oh, I just don't trust the government? Like, the government is authority, so when we don't trust authority, that transfers into different areas of life. <laughs> and... Um, it is one of those things that we just have to continue to be aware of, that we actually have to flip this and we have to begin to value the we over the me. Both are important, but to understand that community plays a vital role in the formation of our identities as a people. It plays a vital role in us as just learning what it means to live. Uh, and so what we're going to do is I, I want you all to stand, and we're going to read the passage together. There's a slide. Um, up here, and so you can keep your Bibles open as well. If we all want to read the same version, we'll do it up here. So let's read it together. Uh, so Christ himself, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and, and become, become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. You may be seated. So we want to take a few minutes just to tease out some of these things. And so whether it's on the screen or or uh, flipping through in your Bible, I want you to just notice a few things uh, that, that we see here. Uh, and the first one, that Paul, you know, every church that he goes and talks to, 
Maturity is the point. He absolutely wants every community to grow up into maturity. And you see that in verse 13, and you see that in verse 15. It's right there. That growing up is the point. In fact, in the book of of Ephesians, if you could summarize the whole book in two words, it would be grow up. Grow up. I want you to grow up. This is who Christ is, the first three chapters. And because of that, the last three chapters, this is how you grow up. And you do it in how you interact with the people, with God, and then interact with the people around you. And it's this idea that intentional community is not passive. I don't just sit there and by osmosis I inherit it. I actually have some work to do. I have a role to play, not just in my own growing up, but also in other people's growing up. Yesterday we were uh, with a group of people, we were doing our underground seminary training. And uh, while we were there, Sharon was there. And I was just reflecting on Sharon. And I was so amazed, and I thought about this even more last night, of just reflecting on Sharon's maturity over the years that she's been at Renew. Where we first met Sharon, and how she's intentionally grown in uh, her relationship with God and her relationship with other people. And she would be the one that would tell you that much of this is because a loving community of people around her that were willing to help her grow up and continues to do that, which is wonderful. Bill and Beth Carroll have just been amazing friends and neighbors uh, to, to Sharon. And then her house church has been there. And many of you were at her baptism service. And now Sharon is beginning to serve, or she's been serving for a while at Manna on Main Street. You, you got the handout this morning from Sharon. Sharon said, I want to do that all the time. Can I, can I be the one that does handouts? Sharon's maturity has been amazing, but it hasn't been a vacuum in isolation. It's happened in the midst of a community. So good job to you all. And good job. I'm so proud of you all and the way you're helping Sharon. And many other people grow up into that in a very intentional way. Uh, in many ways, that's, that's even what Angela said. In the midst of her pain the past year, the community around her has helped her grow up, which is just wonderful. Maturity is the point of community. And part of being a mature community is learning how to speak both honestly, uh, in a very honest tone, and also a very honorable tone. And we see that in verse 15 as well, this idea of speaking the truth in love. Uh, to learn the balance of speaking both truth and love uh, in, in a beautiful way, in a hard way. Uh, this is the question that we continue to ask ourselves. How do we become both loving and truthful? And, and my friends, if, if we could invite you all to an elder meeting, you would begin to sure. see times when the elders encourage Jay and, JR and I both in truth and love. And sometimes that it stings a bit, but we always have this belief that it's in the best interest of, of who we are. And so what it looks like is this beautiful picture of being restored. Truth and love restores us. Mm. It doesn't beat us up. Huh. It brings us to a place of growth and maturity. Huh. And the third thing that we see in this passage, uh, which is there in verse 15, the second um, part of that, you know, Paul loves metaphors. I mean, he's just an imagery guy. And so one of the things he uses as a way of talking about maturity is the idea of the body, right? And he says, of our different parts, and it's held together with ligaments. And so he's getting real technical like a physician. Um, but he says that Christ is always our head, and we have to remember that. It may seem obvious, but it's, it's amazing how many of us, you know, we talked about this in the misconceptions of the beginning of this series on community, with the misconceptions, how easy it is for us to think that we are the primary focus, that in community, people are the priority. No, the number one priority in biblical community is Jesus. 
And Jesus is the one that then informs how we, enact, we act with people. That's why Ephesians starts with talking about God and who He is and how we interact with Him the first three chapters. And then the second three chapters is about how we interact with other people. That order is incredibly important. And we have to remember we are not the head. You are not the head. Jesus is the head. And Jesus is the hub of the wheel and all of us are spokes to that. So when you're pursuing Jesus and I'm pursuing Jesus down our spoke towards the hub, that means as we're pursuing Jesus, you and I are also moving closer together in relationship with each other. But the priority of that is that Jesus is the hub. Doug and I are not the leaders of Renew. Jesus is. The elders are not even the leaders of Renew. Jesus is. And we take all that we do from Jesus and what He wants us to do. And so what we want to say as elders and as pastors is follow us, just like Paul said, follow us as we follow the example of Christ. Don't follow us because we've got cool ideas or because we think we're all that or we're essential to this community. No, follow us as we pursue Christ and, and every other leader. If you're, the leader you're following isn't pursuing Christ, don't follow them because Christ is our head and we cannot remember or we cannot forget uh, that Jesus is the most important thing in community, not other people. Not other people. Which brings us to the other point that we find in verse 16b. And think about the encouragement at the end of all that Paul has just said here. And he says this, um, that it grows and builds itself up in love. This idea of seeing the church grow and build itself up in love is so crucial to the way that we begin to grow and mature. We don't grow and build ourselves up in hatred. We don't grow and build ourselves up in just driving one another hard, but we do it in a loving way. We think about John 13, 34, where Jesus says this, love one another as I have loved you. We think about Jesus' high priestly prayer that he prays at the end of John in John 17. Lord, may they be one as you and I are one, this loving relationship. But my friends, we have to remember that sometimes love doesn't look like the cuddle, warm, huggy stuff all the time. Um, if you have had the opportunity, the blessing and curse of being a parent, you understand what love is like. If, if you've been someone in the community that's watched someone go through an addiction, you understand that love is not just all cuddles. Sometimes it's saying, no, stop. And that there's a level of trust there that we recognize that I'm loved and this person is challenging me not because he's going to be a jerk, but because he loves me. And that also means for us as a community, when we sense God calling us to challenge someone or to, be, uh, to build someone up in love, we need to ask the question, am I doing this out of a space of love? Or am I doing this out of the space of manipulation? And so to be a community that builds itself up in love is one that is willing to ask the hard question, is this loving? What might this look like? And one of the things that I love is we have a community of other pastors, uh, pastoral care team. Um, there's about five of us who actually practice building up one another in love. One of my favorite ways that I see the Church of Renew growing in love is by watching uh, the Renew Children's Director, who I happen to be married to, send out letters to kids. It is the coolest thing to encourage them, to see them grow, to see them being built up, uh, watching our middle school boys and our high school kids have an opportunity to grow up in love, to learn the Scripture, to learn who Jesus is. But that happens within the relationship. And it's so important and so vital for the church to remember, are we building ourselves up in love? 
Yeah, there's a, a phrase that um, I've heard Doug use where he says, truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. There's a lot of truth to that, no pun intended <laughs> on that. But here's the next one um, that we see in this passage, is that there's an expectation for everyone to participate. Everyone to participate. It may be easy for us to read uh, the beginning there in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works. Now some of you say, well, I'm not an apostle. I didn't go to school. I'm not a teacher. I don't have education for that. No, no, no. It doesn't say that. It says every one of us. That God has gifted the church. Anyone who has the Spirit of God living inside of you, you made a decision, you want to follow Jesus, God's wired you to be one of these five types. And this is a gift for us. And some of us have taken some assessments to discover how has God wired us to be and to do that. How do we live into our gifts? And many of you have done that, which is great. But there's that last phrase in this passage where it says, you know, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Every single person has a role to play. It is not up to Doug and, and myself. It is not up to our elders to run everything. And I'm so grateful that we do not have a culture like that at Renew. Many of you have said, hey, I think we should do this. And you say, I'd be willing to lead it. Great. All right, let's talk about that. And so we lean into that as a community, which is just wonderful. So we move, for, move from observation to participation. Whether it's big or small, formal or informal, up front or behind the scenes, we all have a role to play. I actually think our house churches promote this idea, which is really great because it allows people to be involved in smaller sub-micro communities, which is great. And so we love that. And it's one of the reasons that we try as much as we can. It's a little bit of a shotgun gym, but we try to sit as much as in a C-shape as we can so we can try to see people. You know, we don't do rows and aisles like, like many normal churches do, and we actually want to do that. If you remember when we used to meet at Margines years ago, we actually sat in the round. That was very intentional. We don't have an elevated platform, a stage. That's very intentional because what we're trying to do is communicate. We want to see each other. All of us are on the same level. Do you realize the only elevated platform we have up here is this table? which it should always be elevated above us. But there's no stage that we stand on. And we don't want a stage because we want to communicate we're in this together as a community. And that, of course, takes some intentionality. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why I felt like we could have ended church today right after the story time. It's yeah, like the gospel the that was thing. preached by those that were sharing the story was just beautiful. It yeah. didn't come from here. It came yeah. from here. And so, my friends, family... Community is not our idea, um, but that's one of the things that attracted me so much uh, six years ago when I came on as an apprentice here at Renew is the first thing that JR and Tracy were like, hey man, we look at leadership as equippers, not as doers. And so our job is to equip saints. So we will literally be, you know, judged not in the negative way, in the positive way on how we're doing in terms of how people are growing, how people are using their gifts. That's such a mind shift for me. It was such a huge mind shift, but it's not our idea. This idea of community, this idea of growing up together in love, this idea that everyone using their gift and participating together, this is a God-ordained idea. Uh, this, is, this is what he says in his scripture. God ordains this thing called community. He created it. He initiated it. He breathed the spirit of life into it. 
And he modeled it for us. Jesus showed us what community looks like. Have you ever read through the Gospels? There are some awkward tension moments with Jesus and the disciples. Uh, conversations that some of you may have uh, heard this phrase when you're younger, taking them to the woodshed conversations with the disciples. Uh, a loving but truthful way of honoring them. And my friends, this really comes out of the, the passage that we're learning together right now as house churches. How do we love God and love others, and to recognize that one of the best places to learn how to love others is within the community called the church. And as we learn that, it just frees us up to begin to love our neighbors in different ways. Uh, there's a passage in John, First uh, John, four nineteen through twenty one. Uh, we love because He first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. Forever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. So some of this is big, big picture, high level stuff, but Doug and I actually want to drill down a little bit deeper here. And of those five that we mentioned, we actually want to hang out on around number two a little bit more. When Doug talked about being both honest and honoring, how do we express uh, honesty and honor to somebody that we're with, especially when we're in conflict, and maybe even someone in authority? How do we do that? So we want to drill down a little bit further in that, because our job as Christians is to actually double major in being honest and honoring. When Paul says that phrase, speaking the truth, honest, in love, honor, both of those are together at the same time. Here's the problem. Most of us gravitate towards one or the other. We're willing to major in being honest and minor in being honorable, right? That's very Philly, right? I'm just going to tell it like it is. It's just This is what it is. You've you got to deal with it. That's the truth, right? And so we feel like it's a pass for us to be mean because, hey, I'm just being honest. That's not how we honor people. But on the other end of the spectrum, some of us may be on the other end where we're not really going to tell them the truth. We're just going to be nice, and we're going to kind of massage it a little bit, and we're going to leave out the last 15% of the truth, or we're going to ignore it altogether because I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to offend them. And so we are majoring in honor, and we minor in being honest. And so someone can walk away and feel like, oh, they were truthful with me. I felt great. But then they, that person goes away and says what they really think to other people because they're afraid of rocking the boat. If we major in honesty and minor in honoring, or we major in honoring and minoring in, 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 in honesty, we are missing the point. We must double major on being honest and honoring. We're going to show you, of course, I'm a visual person, right? So I've got to show you a diagram, right? I mean, what, what, so, what? <laughs> so, so here, here's this. So when we're not honest and we're honoring, it's like the South. Right? You guys ever go to the deep south? Oh, honey, that's a beautiful sweater. That's the best sweater I've ever seen. Right? You go back and go, that's the ugliest sweater. Why would she wear that? That's the worst thing in the whole world. Right? That's, that's not what we're talking about. Right? If we're not honest and not honoring, that's the West Coast. Right? That's like, do whatever you want, man. Who cares what people think? Like, you do your thing. That's fine. Right? We just have no conviction. Like, whatever, who am I to judge? Like, it's fine, man, right? So that's kind of the West Coast. Being honest and not honoring the Northeast, like I said, is very Philly, right? Like, you look like you got hit with the face, uh, your face with a bag full of nickels. I'm just saying, man, I'm just being honest, right? So there's this, like, 
somehow it's a pass to be mean because, hey, I'm just being honest. That's not what we're called to either. But this thing up here of being both honest and honoring is the region of the kingdom. And in many ways, that's the hardest place to be. But that is what we're called to be as a community. We have to lean into that. And you know me in diagrams, I can't just have one. we got to have another one. So go ahead and put the next one up there. Right? So this idea, for all of us are somewhere on this continuum between grace and truth. Some of us grew up in homes where we were so truthful, even if it hurt, we just we told them the truth. Others of us grew up in a family or in certain denominations where it was all this. And by this we meant, I'm not going to say anything. We're going to ignore it. Even if there's a huge elephant in the room and everybody knows it, I'm not going to bring it up. Because why would we do that? That would be disruptive. That might be hurtful. And so we think we're being gracious when in the end we're actually long-term being mean. We actually are being cruel to people by not telling them the truth. And so what happens is we're all the way down on the grace end is we're not going to talk about it, we're not going to talk about it. We stunt people's growth. We don't think we do, but we stunt people's growth. And I'm not talking about, hey, you got something in your teeth. You got some broccoli stuck between your teeth. Which, by the way, you ever been around people, you get through a whole lunch and you got broccoli in your teeth and then you go back to work and you're like, why didn't they tell me? Right? It's sort of not a big deal, but you're like, seriously, I thought we were close enough that they would tell me, and then I come back and I'm embarrassed in front of all my coworkers. All of us have spiritual, emotional, mental things in our teeth that people within a community, we need people to say, listen, you've got something in your teeth, and I love you, and this is awkward, but I need to tell you this because I don't want to stunt your growth. And I also don't want to have you exposed to other people see things that you're blinded to in your own life. And that's really an important thing. So we do this to respect the image of God in people, of being both full of grace and truth. So if you're down here, this is the prayer we pray. Lord, make me more gracious. I need to move much towards the, closer to the center. And if I'm on the gracious side, God, would you give me courage to actually lean in, to actually be more truthful? And so living in this middle space here is the way in which we honor the image of God, the Imago Dei that God has instilled into each one of us. We value people when we live in this middle zone. It's a way in which we show honor to God for making you as unique and special as you are. So we must double major in it. And the truth of the gospel is this. Jesus, said, Jesus was both honest and honoring with us. He was honest with us saying, you are a sinner. You are a sinner. You fall short. And we're not going like, to brush over that and not make that a big deal. That's a big deal. So he's honest with us. But he's also so honoring. But he says, in your sin, I still love you. And I love you enough that I will give myself to you out of love in your place. That's being both honest and honoring. And we've got to be full of both. Because Jesus has done that for us. And the best way we follow him is to model what he's done and to live out grace and truth together with all of us, even if it's awkward or different than how we were brought up. Because the role of the church is to reparent us with a Father that is never failing us, who is perfect. 
And so we are reparented regarding, regardless of our upbringing, whether we were more on truth or grace, to be reparented to come to maturity in this middle zone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I got to take a breath, man. I'm, I'm still amazed with the, how accurate your West Coast, South, and Northeast <laughs> accents were. That was fantastic. Um, but yeah, as we think about creating a culture that lives in this way, we have to understand, like, one of the words that really comes to mind for me is safe. Like, what, is it, what does it look like to create a safe culture? Because we all know when we walk into the building that we're broken. But for some reason within church world over the last however many hundred or thousands of years, we pretend like we're not. We sort of walk into church, you know, it's like, hello, you know, good to see you. you know, praise be to God, bless you. We learn this certain language. And one of the things that I love is, folks, we, you have permission at Renew when people ask you, how are you doing, to honestly answer that question. That's one of the things that blesses me the most when someone asks me how you're doing. I don't feel this fear of like, oh, I need to like, I'm happy in Jesus. I can say, not so great. It's been a stressful week or, yeah, it's been really tough. And, and you all have that permission as well to begin to speak truthfully. House Church last week, uh, man, we had some honest conversations about the ways in which God was working in us, understanding about who we are within community. It was difficult, but really, really challenging and really good. Um, but as we think about creating safety, John Townsend uh, defines a safe person as this. It's somebody who speaks truth in grace or truth in love. Uh, and so we have to understand, what does the word truth mean? This is the Greek spelling uh, of the word truth. It's a beautiful word. Uh, it's pronounced aletheia. And aletheia is a very interesting word because when we think about truth, like a lot of us may think of a judge or someone who stands and declares the truth. But really, the word truth has this picture in the Greek language, and it literally means the unhiding. So we think about being a kid playing hide-and-seek and hiding underneath the table and how exciting it is when someone finds you. Sometimes scary if you're playing at the dark, which I did a few weeks ago. My son scared the life out of me. But when you, when you are hiding, truth is being unhidden. It's, being, it's the idea of something in me being, uh, being unhidden, being uncovered, being let go out into the open. My friends, we can't heal until we unhide. We can't see health and restoration, even just thinking in medical terms. If you just bandage up a wound and never let it air out, it's just going to fester and get nasty. But to actually bring it out into the open, you know, it gets back to the, to the broccoli in the teeth or the boogie in the nose conversation. It's like the unhiding to say, hey, I actually love you enough to say, you've got a major cliffhanger and you need to fix that. And my friends, some of the things that we have to recognize is we're afraid. We have, there's fear in us because we've been, things that, this is what's happened, right? How many of you ever hung out with a kid and somebody who's strange or different walks by and the kid goes, boy, that guy's weird, and then shh, 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 you don't know them. Now, granted, it's not the best place for kids to do that, but the, that's kind of what's, that is what has been drilled into us very young. Like, don't tell someone what's going on in them. Just let them go, or at least for a lot of our families. And so there's this fear of understanding, like, well, what are people going to think if I make a comment? 
And so we have to throw that fear out. We think about the idea of learning to submit to one another. And so when someone comes to me, one of the best ways if I'm entering into, if I'm a safe person, it's saying this, hey, here are some things that are coming up um, that I've noticed. I submit that to you. Um, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. These are just some things that I'm concerned about. These are what's bringing it up. And so we learn to submit to what we're saying to someone, say, can we dialogue about this? Can we have a conversation? Uh, Another thing that we have to understand, if we stay hidden, we will not grow. If we hide our stuff, if we make fig leaves, if we are unwilling to actually come out of our hiding, we will not grow. That is the truth. You will not grow. You know, there are so many stories within this community that I wish I could share about unhiding, about seeing marriages completely restored. We heard one of them today from Denise talking about restoration of family. That this, you know, I can only imagine what it's like to, to few months ago uh, in January to have somebody like Lauren, to have Lauren pray, Lord, would you provide for my family and a job? I need one. I lost one. My friends, that's unhiding. That's what that looks like, recognizing I'm going to lean this out. And here's what I love about that story, which I don't think Lauren knows, or Lauren probably knows, but I had two people come up to me afterwards and say, hey, who said that? How can I help financially? Um, when they heard about the pastor, this is another way, uh, unhiding is amazing. Uh, when, when we talked about the Pastor Brito van, uh, at the end of Advent, we were about $5,000, right around there, four or $5,000. Two people came to Sam and said, hey, um, we got the rest covered. Whatever's left over, we got it. You make that need known, you let it out there, and people begin to just respond. Like, mm. that's generosity in these amazing ways. But that's what safety looks like. Mm. Safety looks like saying, hey, I need help. Or, hey, celebrate with me, and we do, instead of just letting it go like, oh, I don't want to be too awkward or offensive, but actually entering into those spaces with people. And so before we close, we want to talk about something that is both personal uh, and very specific for us as a community and for JR and myself. Um, Some of you may know this, but 2016, uh, we praise God because we did not become alcoholics. Uh, That is, it was a hard year. Uh, for the two of us. Uh, We praise God that we didn't walk away in extreme uh, just from the job or from whatever. It was very, very difficult. It was rough personally, both as pastors and even as humans. It was just a hard year. And one of the reasons that it was so hard is because we saw a lot of people leave with various reasons, which happens, but it wasn't in, 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 in why they left. It was more in how that happened. And so when mature people leave a church immaturely, there are normally a lot of dead bodies in the rearview mirror, and it hurts a ton. Yeah, so Doug and I just want to take a couple minutes to probably talk about something that uh, I hope never has to happen, but if it does, knowing it does in a community in terms of transition, that you'd remember this. So some people say, what's the takeaway from a sermon, or what's the, what do we do with what we heard? Well, this may be not something that you do something this week but that maybe down the road you, you keep in mind. But we want to just be honest and say this, that if you really want to hurt Doug and me, leave Renew poorly. If you really want to hurt us, leave Renew poorly. That someone leaves the church is hard, and we can get over that. 
But when people leave in a very painful and immature way, Doug and I still carry those scars from years ago of people who've left poorly. Look, we know that leaving a church, any church, is hard because it's based on relationships, even more so in our unique structure at Renew with house churches, right? It feels even more intimate than normal. So we acknowledge that if people need to leave a church, it happens. We know it's hard. We know it's difficult. And we know having that tough conversation is just, it can be excruciating. But because it's difficult doesn't mean we have to steward it poorly. And because it's difficult doesn't mean we have to ignore it. You know, the, the, uh, the Puritans have a great phrase, God loveth adverbs. <laughs> How we do things matter to God. So the way that we leave is often more important and more hurtful and more significant that, than that you left. Now the truth is that we can only think of a few people over the last eight years who've left well in awkward situations. And that's really hard. And we're not talking moving away or job transfer or things like that. But if there's enough of a conflict, I can only think of probably two or three families, two or three uh, situations where in the midst of conflict, they left healthy. And that's hard. That's really hard. So this may be one of the strangest conversations and teachings you ever hear Doug and I talk about uh, during the teaching at Renew, but we want to take just a few minutes to talk about if at some point you ever need to leave Renew, we want to submit this to you all that you would do these things. Because this is that idea of conflict and authority and how do we be both honest and honoring, all right? So we're just going to be very specific and very practical on this very quickly um, to just help you think through this as an example of how we speak the truth in love even in the midst of conflict, all right? So again, I want this to be proactive so we don't ever have to get to this point, but this is just as a way of equipping us as a community to talk about some things that we're noticing that there's been a pattern and we want to be able to address some of these things, all right? So here's, in an effort to, to try to communicate how we be both honest and honoring in that upper quadrant of the diagram that we just mentioned, the first one is we just want to encourage people that if you need to leave at any point within Renew that you would process this, the decision wisely. Uh, it's amazing how many people make a knee-jerk reaction. Um, and um, you've, take, you've taken a while to get to know people in this community. It feels very abrupt and painful to just pull the ripcord and just to leave the community that you've worked so hard to be a part of for such a long period of time. So if you're here for a while getting to know people, it's good to discern a decision over a period of time, number one. And the second one is make a point to come talk to us. We know it's awkward. We hope and pray that we handle that with all safety and maturity if you are sensing that it may be time for a transition. And we just ask that you do it with, honest, uh, be, with honesty and honor. Now call us and email us and say, hey, can we get together and talk? Um, that honors us when that happens. Even if we know what's coming, we, we actually feel very honored that you would include us in that process. Um, sometimes people just... Uh, we get together and, and uh, well, I'll get there in a second. But I can think of three situations of people who just ignored it. And just, we reached out to them over and over again. Are you okay? We haven't seen you for a while. Is everything all right? And they just chose to cut off all communication with us, which is really hard. It's really hard on a personal level. Putting our pastor hat aside and our human hat on, that's just hard. That's hard. 
So when we get together, we just would ask, would you process with us rather than inform us? Process with us. To say, hey, you know, we just want to let you know we're just, we're just wrestling with whether we should be here or not. Or there's just been this conflict that we just need to address. It's really hard when people just simply inform us and say, we want to get together with you and just let you know we're leaving. And in 2016, we had several of those. That we didn't even know. There was tension. There was no commotion. There was no problems. It's just, hey, we're leaving effective now. I mean, it just takes the wind out of us on that. And we say, how long have you been wrestling with this? Maybe like six months. Could, could we have been included in the process? Maybe we could have worked through this. And another one, number four, discern over a period of time with a small, wise group of people. There are people within Renew that probably know you and trust you and you trust them and there's maturity there. Not a large group. We're not telling the whole church, hey, we're thinking about leaving, you know, but a small group of people that will help pray and discern together. Say, what do you think? Does this sound right? What are we missing? What's our motive here? What do you think about this situation? And in that, I'll flip to the next one. Let's make sure we don't gossip. If we're being both honest and honoring, gossip doesn't have a a role to play in this. And because of gossip, when people have left, unfortunately, the elders have found out later that there were rumors that the elders were racist, that we've tried to force people to leave, that we hated certain people. And one of us has even been told by someone who left the church that he wanted to see us killed. Now, all this has happened And truthfully, nobody has even asked us if those were true or not. And just being honest, uh, I've cried myself to sleep over some of those rumors. And that's hard. That's hard. Another one we want to submit to you is ask yourself, why am I thinking about leaving? And what impact will this have on the community? So what is our motive? You know, that's a good question to always ask in all areas of life. What's my motive? Am I going somewhere, or am I just leaving this community? And what hole will this leave in the community in my departure? You know, a key couple in leadership left within the past year, and the husband told us that they were leaving Renew. We were shocked about some of the tension or problems. They had never talked to us about it, and they said, we're leaving in two weeks. Well, no notice, no heads up, but just left all these leadership responsibilities, boom, just on our plate. And because they were key leaders, we've We're in reaction mode for quite some time. And we wish that they had just considered how that quick transition impacted our church, especially in their leadership role. And another one is this. If you need to leave, and again, we know that sometimes that's very appropriate. There are transitions that happen. Many of you came here because you left elsewhere, right? Um, Transitions happen, especially in our very mobile culture that we live in. But we beg you, when you leave, Please don't give us Christian cliche generalities. Of all the generic responses we get, we probably could put all of them that we get in four main categories. First one, it's not you, it's me. Okay, what does that mean? (laughs) The second one, it's not me, it's you. (laughs) You want to talk about it? Nope, it's just you. 
Can you help me? Maybe I have broccoli in my teeth that I don't know about. Will you help us? The third one, I'm just not being fed. I'll leave that one there. Number four, God has called us elsewhere. And we call that the God trump card. When you throw that one down, how do you argue with that? No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Another one, you know, God told me. You know, I, I told a girl in high school, not, I do not recommend this when I broke up with her. <laughs> I said, God told me that I'm supposed to break up with you. Horrible, horrible. I'm still asking God to forgive me for that. You know what? She came back and said to me, well, God told me you're a jerk. <laughs> and you know what? I deserve that. You're, I not, deserve that. you're not her podcast pastor now, are you? <laughs> I totally deserve that. But we get that. We get that. Well, we're just moving on. We prayed about it and felt we should move on. Okay, but there's probably some deeper issues there. So much of the time, these responses of it's not you, it's me, or it's not, it's me, it's not me, it's you, or I'm just not being fed, or God told me, are really responses that are excuses veiled in God talk that we're just not being honest with each other. Now, God may have told you and moved you on, but I'm sure there were other factors to that before that happened. But can we humbly ask that if you have conflict with each other, that you deal with that? Or if you have conflict with your house church shepherd, that you deal with that? Or if you have conflict with a pastor or a leader or an elder here at this church, that you deal with that? And if you need to leave, that you would honor us by being kind, but also honor us by telling us the truth. And we hope and pray that we will be kind enough to receive that. Another one, and I know we're going long here, but learn to say your goodbyes, even if they're awkward and uncomfortable. If you need to leave, and that needs to happen, we're going to challenge you to say your goodbyes. The reason is, is that consider this. This region is big, but it's also not very big. What will this be like when you leave in two months and one of the pastors or leaders or people in your house church, you bump into them at the bread aisle at the grocery store? It's awkward if you haven't said your goodbyes. If you don't leave in a mature way and how you leave well, you're going to attend another church and after a while when you have conflict, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to not say your goodbyes and you're going to repeat this and fail on the opportunity to grow in maturity. So learn to say your goodbyes. Another one is leave in such a way that while we will miss you, we can bless you. We want to bless you whether you're here or whether you go, right? We talk about being ascending capacity over a seating capacity. And when people leave, sometimes we have tears in our eyes, but we pray and lay hands on them and we bless them when they go and say, we sadly, selfishly want you to stay, but we also know God's kingdom is bigger than just renew. Thank God for that. And so we send you there. We want to be able to send people well. And there are many great churches in the area and around the world. And so if you have to leave, our desire is always to bless you and to send you to another church. Because remember, we are a part of the body of Christ, which is bigger and larger. Now, I don't want to scare anybody. I've, I'm worried whether I should share this or not. But it's amazing how many times when people transition and they go to another church in the area. Remember, us pastors are weird. And us pastors actually hang out with other pastors. About once a month, I get a call from someone, another pastor, saying, hey, we noticed this family showed up. And they were a part of your church, I believe. Was that an okay transition? 
How are they? And I'll tell you, it's wonderful when we get to brag about people that leave well. It's a blast. Say, you know what? We miss them, but you know what? We affirm their decision. We're sad to see them go, but man, they're going to thrive where you're at. Utilize them. They have these gifts and these passions. Use them. They're great. Get them involved. So we just want to end with a very specific thing, that when people do transition and people are willing to do the mature work, even when it's awkward, of being both honest and honoring, of sitting down with us and doing the process, that oftentimes the leaders of this church, we like to ask these questions. I want to put these four questions up on the screen. Before you exit, you've heard of exit interviews in the corporate world. We actually have exit interviews here at the church. And there are these. One, what would you like to tell leadership? This is your chance to be honest and honoring. Now the thing is, it doesn't mean you have to share why you're leaving. If, if, if it's just too personal. But we want to give you that opportunity. We can't force it. But we want to give you that opportunity. That would be great. That would honor us. Okay? Number two. Is there anything spiritually or relationally you need to be released from? Sometimes there are relational dynamics like, hey, I'm in leadership here and leaving. I know it leaves you high and dry. And saying, hey, instead of leaving immediately, could you stick around for a month or two? That would really help us to not feel like this whole house church is going to implode because you left. Okay? Number three, how can we pray for you and encourage you in your new community moving forward? Again, this is where we want to bless you. How can we help you as you transition? And then lastly, what types of communication would you like moving forward? Right? Do, you want, do we still stay in touch or do we just say, hey, we're going to move on and that's okay? But those are just ways to make sure that we're being able to end well with honesty and honor in the process. Okay? And if you need to leave and you need to have this conversation, then I want to encourage you to think through these questions ahead of time. That would help us. By the way, let me say this before we close. We don't want anybody to leave. We're not sitting here thinking, I hope that person is listening. I hope they get the hint. I hope they come and talk to us soon. We don't want that. But we also know the reality is that transition happens. So let's honor one another by saying there's broccoli in the teeth. And let's deal with it. And so much of this is just about thinking forward instead of addressing it later. And again, it might feel very awkward to have this kind of conversation from your two pastors on a Sunday morning about how to leave the church, right? That's probably <laughs> That's happened never in the history of church sermons. Um, but it's, you know, it's so true. One of the things that, that we've both found is how people left the church they're at before yeah. normally dictates how they're going to leave this church. That's true. And so if anyone ever wants to talk to someone about how to leave well, talk to Elaine and Bill Borgard. Huh. They left Fairview so well. And that is one of the things that I'm so proud of the way that they left. So if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking to leave Renew, talk to them. Um, don't talk to them. No, I'm just kidding. You can talk to us too. Um, but seriously, they have done that in such an honoring way. And there's others as well. I just wanted to pick on Elaine and Bill for the way that they did that. But for those of us who are committed to staying, we are called to pursue maturity. And I want to think about this quote for just a moment. It's messy. Believe me, very messy, but no matter what the mess, the gospel is at work to turn messy people into holy people, even if it takes a lifetime or more. My friends, this community, the call that God has asked us to be a part of is seeing messy people become holy people. 
to actually do the hard work of maturing together, of becoming comfortable with the weird and the mess and the stuff, not so we sit in it, but so we begin to see people rise out of that, to, to, to recognize that church is a team sport, not an individual sport. And so I, wanted, I want us to end with this. Um, if we have an opportunity in the next few weeks to sit down, maybe some of you are really hurting from church stuff from before, mm. we're available. Come talk to us. We would love to have conversation. If we've hurt you or offended you, we would love to sit with you and to work through well, that. Well, more than that, we need to sit with you Please. so that we can quickly reconcile with you because that's the Jesus way. Yes, and because that's really what we found. Most people leave church because they were offended. They never told their pastors or the people or the leaders or the others why they were offended, and they just leave. My friends, like, we live in divorce culture. We do not want Renew to be another divorce church. Where, oh, yeah, we were great for a while, but then, you know, things got weird, and I just found another one. But to be committed, to be married to the church, to trust leadership. And so some of us actually may need to spend some time in the next few weeks even thinking through what, what might forgiveness and moving forward look like for me? You know, how do I step into this next stage? You know, I, I, you know I've talked with a lot of your house church shepherds. Some of your house church shepherds are hurt from situations that have happened throughout the years. And it's hard. Relationships are hard. But when we continue to press forward, we begin to see the restorative action. And my friends, that is the gospel. The gospel is when two people who were angry with each other come to a place of reconciliation and forgiveness, and then what they see spring out of that is new life. I mean, isn't that our story, right? I once was dead in my transgressions, but God in His infinite mercy and wisdom pulled me out of the muck and the mire, cleaned me off, and set me off in a new place. My friends, that same hope is offered to us today. Jesus is present and longs to see wholeness in our relationships. I found this to be true as well. There is no relationship that is too far gone. The gospel works. Jesus somehow in his mystery and majesty is able to raise anything from the dead. I don't know how he does it, but he does. So we're going to end with something very strange uh, for all of us. But I, we're going we're gonna to stop, and we're just going to be, we're going to pray this statement uh, quietly. If some of you feel um, led to pray that out loud, we're going we're gonna to end with this, with this thought. Today I choose to love blank. Because love is not just this feeling that we have towards someone, it's actually a choice. And I, I wonder if as we're even talking about community, the hardship of community, if some of you are thinking, man, I'm really frustrated with this person. This person's really offended me. I want us to take a minute want us to quietly pray, Lord, I choose to love this person today. And it's possible some of you even are recognizing that the person might even be you. Mm. So let's just take a minute just to be quiet before the Lord, mm. to let go of the offenses, the hurt. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to speak to our hearts regarding what we heard this morning. God, I ask that it wouldn't just be another teaching that we've put into the Rolodex of teachings, but that it would call us out, call us away from our hiding into a place of unhiding into the truth in love. God, would you help this church grow up in love? Mm -hmm. 
Would you help us to come with our gifts and our weaknesses and our strengths into community with one another and grow? Yeah. God, for those of us that struggle with, with, with not being truthful, I pray for courage mm. for us in this community that struggle with that. Lord, and I'm thankful for them because they are the ones that continue to push forth and say, I believe, I believe, I believe that this can be salvaged. But God, we just need courage. Lord, I pray for those of us that have such a grip on truth and such a knowledge of that, and I thank you for the gift that they are to our community. God, may you soften their hearts to see the interplay between truth and grace, between being honest and honorable. Lord, may you help this community grow. God, we pray that there would be stories that come out of the, this series on community that talk about restoration and resurrection and dead relationships. Mm. Yeah. God, we ask that you would forgive JR and I for the way we've offended people, for the way we've hurt, whether it be intentional or unintentional. May you help us, Lord. May you soften our hearts. May you give us courage in the spaces where we need that. So Jesus, thank you for this beautifully brilliant and messy group of people that you've called together under the headship of Christ. Lord, help us as we deal with one another uh, that we look like the 59 passages in Scripture that talk about one another, that we don't look like the rest of the world that says, well, forget you, I'm done. But we continue to lean in to the hard places. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.